We're finishing up the book of 1 Peter today, looking at the last uh, part of the last chapter uh, from chapter 5. Uh, we're looking, continuing on after what we looked at last week, where it said that God opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble. We're looking then at uh, verse 6, which says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he will lift you up in due time. Then we're looking at verse 7, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. And then verse 8, be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. So then from verse 6, we look at the fact that we have to deal with our pride. From verse 7, we, have to, we look and we find that we have to deal with our anxiety. And verse 8, we have to deal with the devil. Now, let's look first at uh, our dealing with our own pride. When it says God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble, there's a sense in which that that's not necessarily just God withholding grace from the proud. It's the proud saying, I don't need your grace. It's the pride of the human heart that says, I can save myself, or I'm good enough. I don't need salvation. I don't need what you have done for me in Jesus Christ. So either of those two attitudes keep a person from receiving the grace that God has for them in Christ. And both of those boil down to a sense of self-sufficiency, that I'm good enough, either that I don't need salvation, or I'm good enough, I can create my own salvation. And that boils down to pride. And the fact of the matter is, according to Scripture, that you, re you receive grace to the degree that you deal with pride. Some people say, well, I'm just, I'm just not good enough. I, I know that Jesus died for people, but I'm not, I'm not really, I'm not good enough for him to have died for me. So I, I don't, I don't, I don't feel that I deserve salvation. Other people say, oh, I'm, I'm fine as I am. I don't need salvation. I don't need to ask God for forgiveness for anything. Have you ever heard someone say, or maybe you've said to yourself or you've said to someone else, uh, maybe God forgives me, but I can't forgive myself. Did you know that that is a prideful statement? It seems like it's a very humble statement. I, oh, I don't like myself. I don't feel good about myself. But it's pride in that it is saying, I need to do whatever it takes to earn my salvation. I can't forgive myself. I can't say that I'm okay in God's eyes because what I'm doing is saying it's up to me to be okay in God's eyes. Whereas what God says is it's up to Jesus Christ to make you okay in my eyes. So extreme and even not so extreme arrogance, which says I'm fine just as I am, thank you very much, and extreme and not so extreme self-hatred or self-disdain or even just self-dislike says, I'm not, I'm too bad for God. And both of them keep us from the salvation that Jesus Christ 
has earned for us. Superiority and inferiority are both aspects of pride because they both focus on the self rather than on the completed work of Jesus Christ. And the key phrase that, un that helps us understand this, and it's, it's a phrase that it takes a long time to unpack, but the phrase is, humility is not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. And I've, we've talked about that a few times in various sermons, but it's one that I keep having to remind myself of and, and probably have to remind you of. Humility is not thinking less of ourselves. It's not a humble thing to say, oh, I'm no good, I'm awful, because that is actually focusing in once again on yourself. But when you can embrace the love of God, embrace the work of Jesus Christ, then you can stop thinking so much of yourself and thinking of your obligation to earn God's favor and just receive it. And when you receive that, then there is nothing else to prove. There is nothing else you need to do, and you can trust fully in the completed work of Jesus Christ. You can trust fully in God's embrace of you because of what has been done for you, not what has been done by you. Have you ever known a person who, who has fully embraced this? A person who is really not even thinking about themselves, in your interactions with them, you, you see a person who is just interested in you, not interested in proving themselves to you, not interested in sizing you up and comparing you to themselves or to anyone else, but just interested in you. This is how Christians can be. If we truly and fully embrace the new identity we have in Jesus Christ, that there is nothing more to prove, that we don't set ourselves up as so great, and we don't set ourselves up as so bad, but we acknowledge that we are sinners in need of a Savior, and that the salvation provided by that Savior is full and complete, and there is now therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. In verse 12, Peter, um, coming to the end of the, um, of the epistle, writes, I have written this to you briefly, encouraging you and testifying that this is the true grace of God. Stand fast in it. Believe it. Believe that God's grace is sufficient for your salvation, for your new identity, for you to participate in the eternal promises of God. Renounce all efforts to save yourself. And remember that even your faith, the, the magnitude of your faith does not determine your salvation. For we are not called to have a greater and greater and greater faith in God, but we have faith in a great, great God. It is when we rest on what God has done for us in Christ that we know this salvation for us, not when we try harder and harder and harder to have more and more faith. Just rest. Rest in the knowledge of the completed work of Jesus Christ for you. So we deal with pride, then we deal with anxiety. Cast all your anxiety on him, for he cares for you. Have you ever given 
your all for someone. You just give and give and give and you want the best for them and you do whatever you can to make sure that they have the best life possible and they turn their back on you and say, I'm not interested in what you have for me. Well, that's how it is for us or for God in our relationship with God when we say, I'm not interested in what you have for me. I want to do this myself. Now, your efforts may have been flawed in some way and the other person may have been wise to a degree to spurn your efforts and say, well, I think I want to figure this out myself. But God's efforts are always right and good. So there is no reason for us to spurn his efforts. There is no reason for us to say, I'm not interested in what you've done for me. I'm not interested in what you can do for me. I'm not interested in your provision for me. I want to figure this out for myself. And when we do that, we become very anxious because we think we're in control and there are things outside of our control that make us very upset. Or we think that we're in control and there are things that we take control of that we really can't control and it makes us very upset. Worry is lack of trust in the one who gave us his all. Worry is questioning God's love. It says right here, cast your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Worry is overconfidence in our own opinion and lack of confidence in God's love and goodness. We are called in verse 7 to cast our cares to God. Throw them, throw them to God and say, I know that this is not mine to hold on to. You take this. Philippians 4, 6 through 9 says it this way. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and supplication, or prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me, says the Apostle Paul, or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. What is the antidote to worry, to anxiety? It is to trust God, to lift up your concerns to God with thanksgiving. In other words, that means that you trust that God will answer correctly. It may not be the way you want, but God's wisdom is greater than ours and we can trust God to do what is right. And what do we get when we do that? Peace. Peace that transcends our understanding. Peace that settles in our hearts. The Holy Spirit guarding our hearts with peace that we have because we know that God is good. Deal with your pride, deal with your anxiety, and finally deal with the devil. The devil, in the very first 
temptation of Eve and Adam used pride, used the human desire to be in control, the human desire to make our own choices. And he said, trust yourself, trust me, don't trust God, eat of this fruit, and it will give you knowledge beyond what God wants you to have. It, what, what he did in doing that is appealed to the human sense of pride and self-sufficiency. I um, wanted to, you know, have a few words that sounded good together uh, in talking about this, so I, um, I looked up a synonym for pride uh, that would start with S, and I found supercilious. So, superciliousness, self-sufficiency, and Satan. These are the enemies. Now, it was interesting looking up a synonym for pride. Because in our day, if you look up pride and look in a thesaurus for synonyms of pride, what you'll come up with is many, many positive synonyms for pride. And very few negative. The only one that I could find in my list was arrogance. So I had to look up arrogance to find a word that started with S that I could use for pride. Because our, our society uh, thinks pride is great. And, there, and, and I think, to be honest, the word has changed its definition from what the scripture talks of as pride, which is really more arrogance than what we think of as pride. We think of pride as being happy with ourselves. But the root of it is still very similar, and that the root is, I am good in and of myself. And that is the very thing that Satan uh, used to tempt Eve and Adam. That is the thing that Satan uses to set us up to say no to God's grace. That is the very thing that Satan uses to divide people one from the other. The temptation of Adam and Eve was to trust themselves, not God. The enemy uses pride to help us to trust or to guide us, to trick us into trusting ourselves and not God. William Gurnall wrote a book uh, back in 1963, and he, he had this quote in it. When people hear a noise at night, they think, the devil, the devil, and they run for their lives. But they carry the devil around in their hearts all day long. For if you have a proud spirit, or resentment, or anxiety, if you are under his power, then you are under his power. Run from your pride, resentment, and grudges. In other words, we like to see... Um, the enemy is doing big, horrible things, and then we can recognize him. But the, the key to truly being faithful to God and resisting the enemy is to acknowledge that the enemy is at work in our hearts, telling us to trust ourselves and not to trust God, telling us that we're better than other people, telling us to hold on to grudges, telling us to hold on to our anxiety, telling us that God is not good. Folks, remember the best way he can hide himself is not to do big things, but to work in small ways within our hearts that pull us away from God. 
Now that's not to say that there aren't big things in the world that I, the enemy may be responsible for. Now, and I, I hesitate to go here, but think of a computer virus. And it takes a really smart person to come up with a computer virus that attaches itself to the right code to cause all kind or inserts other code in to cause all kinds of problems. And when you think of what, for example, COVID-19 is able to do when it attaches itself within the human body, it seems to me, at least, that there's a great intelligence that would be necessary to create something like that. Now, the conspiracy theorists would tell us, yes, it was created in a lab and people, people with intelligence created it. Well, I think there's another answer. Now, there are a couple other answers. One is uh, that it could have just occurred. But another is that the enemy is seeking to devour us. And COVID-19 has caused all kinds of problems. It has caused people to distrust God. It has caused people, especially in our nation, to distrust each other as there are so many different stories about what it truly is and people either have one idea or another idea and set themselves up against each other. What a great thing for the enemy to be able to accomplish. Uh, COVID-19 also creates a ton of anxiety as you and I probably already know. And the other issue we're dealing with currently is racism, is the division between people. Wouldn't the enemy love that? To create and foment disagreement between people. Because God's desire is to bring people together. The enemy's desires are whatever God does not desire. So the enemy will work against what God wants. The enemy will divide people. The enemy will create anxiety within us when we are called to trust God. But in all of these things, we can choose to trust God over the enemy. We can choose to trust God over our anxieties. We can choose to trust God over ourselves, which means that we put aside sinful pride. And remember too, that the enemy loves shame. The enemy loves to make you feel ashamed. And I've talked to many people who have done something wrong. And the Bible tells us that when you've done something wrong, God can and will and desires to forgive you. But people hold on to shame because they say, God can't forgive me. I can't forgive myself. Remember, folks, God's forgiveness is bigger than you. And it's all about putting aside any effort of your own and trusting in what God desires to do for you through Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ has already accomplished. Let shame go. The enemy may cause you to sin and relishes that because it separates you from God, but then will feed you words of shame that will keep you separated from God even longer. Folks, let us humbly come before our God who loves us, not trusting in ourselves, but trusting in his grace, casting our anxieties to him and realizing that the enemy is real, 
but it's far weaker than our God. And we do not want to give any place for the enemy in our lives. Resist pride, resist anxiety, and resist the devil.